Hey everyone, welcome back to the Microcast in Microcosm Community Call. This call is recorded live on Friday, November 11th. On this week's call, we took a deep dive into our coaches' 2022 seasons, discussing their high and low points. We focused in on some of the specific takeaways each coach had from the season, talking about perspective shifts, parenting, new habits and routines, and what each coach wanted to focus on in 2023. Myself, Kristen, and Drew all had unique and different process-oriented goals for the upcoming season, which I know you all will enjoy. From here, our conversation moved into how we approach off-season and fall, early winter with our athletes at Microcosm. We talked about how to hold the training loosely to remove internal and external pressures to perform a certain way, and the importance of paying attention to how things feel, both physically and mentally. We noted how important it is to maintain habit and routine during periods of base building or during downtime and training, and specifically highlighted the opportunity for athletes to use these moments to work on nagging injuries and niggles so they could move into winter speed work feeling strong. I hope you all enjoy this episode. And as usual, if you have any feedback, a question for a future call, or are looking for support in your running journey, please visit us on the web at microcosm-coaching.com or contact us at microcosmcoaching at gmail.com. Yeah, so today um, we had a really great prompt from one of my athletes. He saw that we wanted to talk about off-season and planning for 2023 um, on today's call. And and so he kind of was like, all right, well, I, I would love to hear from each coach about how 2022 went and what were some of the high points, some of the low points. Um, you know, what are we looking to improve on as athletes going into the next season? And what is a process-oriented goal we have for the next season? And for, I, unfortunately, we're down three coaches today. So we'll, we'll hear from them um, maybe in December uh, when we get kind of in a roundabout way back to these topics. But for today, uh, Drew, Kristen, and myself can, can touch on that a little bit. And I think, um, yeah, just to your, just to what you mentioned about getting down to a warmer climate, uh, that's something that we're thinking about because I think both of us want to do longer races, um, and that's not easy to train for when you live in Carbondale, because um, we really can't run on trail at all uh, this time of year. It's yeah. it's not really a thing. Um, especially if it keeps kind of off and on snowing, like it has been like, I, I did a trail run, two trail runs last week and it, it was like, so, so it just starts to get like a little bit muddy and it's pretty irresponsible to run on muddy trail. So we, yeah, we're running on the roads and we've gotten more used to the treadmill. Um, kind of since last spring, we had a really wet spring last year. And we're just like, you know what, we're going to embrace the treadmill this year. We got memberships to a gym. Um, and I'm like all about that tool, but we're going to try to be more flexible and maybe get down to see you, Kristen, or I don't know, like, I, I really don't know. Like we need to go somewhere where we can get some climbing and some vert in. So yeah, I'm not sure if that's that's where you are. Oh. There's tons of climbing. There's there, there's mountains in every direction. Um, Forrest will be down here in the spring, and I'm so psyched to see him. He's one of my athletes, so that'll be really cool to run around. I think he knows the area better than I do. <laughs> so. Oh, that's that's awesome. Heck yeah. Um, 
Well, cool. Let's uh, let's kind of dive into the to these topics. I'm not sure how long things will take. It could take the full hour, or, or maybe not. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess you know I can start off by talking a little bit about my season, uh, my takeaways, and then um, yeah, we'll we'll transition over to to you, Kristen, and to Drew, and then use that to hopefully inform on our discussion about off season, what that kind of looks like, and then, you know, how we might use this time to plan for 2023. Um, yeah, I would say like my, my biggest high point was, uh, training for CCC. I think, uh, my, my biggest low point was probably CCC itself. Um, which is really like very polar <laughs> opposites. Um, I think the, yeah, when I look back on my season, um, yeah, I think like I, unfortunately I didn't do a lot of things right that I wish I had in retrospect. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of all of this is that we get to learn from our past experiences and apply it in the future to hopefully kind of inform the direction and the shape that our our running and our our training goes. Um, so yeah, why did my training for CCC go mostly right? Because I just love running in the mountains, and so that race was like a particularly good match for for me, my skill set, and like not even my skills, but like what I like to do, how I like to spend my time. Um. I've always, you know, I've been running for a long time now, but I've always envisioned myself, you know, doing longer runs during the week, having that schedule, that flexibility, being able to push high miles and high miles with a lot of vert and CCC, like really allowed me to do that, right? Like that was the race that gave me those opportunities and it necessitated training that way. Um, and that was freaking awesome. The, you know, the race didn't go that well, um, unfortunately, and, and some, you know, no matter how well our training goes, there's always the uncertainty on race day and there's nothing that we can really do. Um, you know, we can just, we just deal with the, we play the cards we're dealt and we go out there and try to make the most of it. And I think, you know, I obviously, I, I talked about that on a previous call, so you guys can always go back and refer to exactly how the race went, but uh, yeah, I wasn't feeling very good, gutted it out, finished. And I think like more so than the finish, um, it was just being able to kind of live the life that I wanted to live. Um, but in, in retrospect, there's a lot of things that I still want to improve on and need to look forward to and to do better. Um, and I, I love that. That feels like an empowering process to me when I think about the things that I could improve on. Um, it's not something that gets me down. It's something that motivates me. Um, and I've kind of always been like that. That hasn't really been something that I needed to cultivate over time. I've always been very motivated when I come up short. I kind of like want to, to get out there and do better the next time. And so when I don't reach a goal, um, that to me is motivation enough to continue the process. I know that's not the same thing for, for everybody. Um, but that's just kind of the way that, that my brain works. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking to, you know, really just kind of improve on the way I approach my A races, um, uh, next year. 
I, I feel like I didn't do a good job recognizing how much time and effort and stress there was on the training side of things. And so when um, work stress, coaching stress was really high during my build for CCC, I didn't do a good job of, of working with that. I probably did a good job of compartmentalizing and ignoring how stressed I was at work. But unfortunately, that most likely led to a health situation that I've been in for the last three months. Um, and so I, I really need to be more honest with myself about those stresses, whether it means uh, doing a little bit less and not trying to be so regimented with the training, um, even when I'm enjoying it. Uh, because it's often that I have found through coaching and through my own athletic experiences that it's not in the hard weeks that we have issues. It's weeks later that that stuff adds up and all of a sudden we feel the results of the mistakes that we've made. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I really need to improve on. It's something that I mentioned in the CCC recap. It's like, you know, we work six days a week as coaches. That's not something that. I can sustain long-term when I'm training the way that I want to train for my focused events. It's something that like, I have to be more upfront with my athletes and with myself. Like I'm going to need to work four to five days on those particular weeks. And that's just the way that it's going to be. Um, that's for my mental health. That's for my physical health and well-being. Um, you know, I, I try to do it all because I, I've learned a lot about myself that I don't like disappointing my athletes, I find I get a lot of purpose through coaching. I mean, that's why I created this business and do what I do. And I freaking enjoy it. Um, and it's, but it's hard for me to rest. It's hard for me to just sit on the couch and, you know, CCC training. I loved it. I was training 15 to 17 hours a week. That's huge volume. Uh, you're doing a four hour run and then, you know, working it's on a weekend, it's not ideal. Um, and I think looking back, like it's really created and according to my doctors, it's created the situation that I'm in now where like, I almost can't train, um, at all, like, <laughs> unfortunately. And so I really want to work on getting a better handle on that. I think it's been a yeah, it's an ongoing process. I feel like inspired to do better and to yeah, communicate more with my specific roster, my team of athletes, and take the time and the space that I need. You know, being an athlete, there is a shelf life. Like, I'm only going to be performing as an elite for, you know, so many more years. I need to prioritize that. Um, I hope everybody understands. If you don't, you know, that's that's okay. But that's the way that it's going to be as I move forward. I'm going to be pretty regimented and very communicative about it. Um, and so really like right now, my only process oriented goal for 2023 is 20, yeah, 23 is to get my health back on um, my, my mental health and my physical health. Um, you know, I was just at a point of burnout. I could feel the, you know, all of these things start to manifest in my physical health and I'm, um, yeah, like it's just been really difficult, um, the last three months. Yeah, straight up. So everything rests on having good mental and physical health. That's the idea of well-being. It's not one or the other. It's both things. Um, and so in order to like really 
do well next year and race well. Um, and to even make it to the start line of like my spring races, um, I need to be healthier. I need to have better boundaries. I need to work less. I'm, you know, I'm sorry if that disappoints any of my athletes. Um, but that's just the way that it goes. Um, you know, we're not machines, we're, we're humans. I try so hard to ignore that and to be the constant supporter and helper. It's just the way that my brain works and it, it's gotten me in so much trouble. Um, it's hard to talk about, honestly. Um, but that is my process oriented goal. I want to be healthier. Um, I know that's going to allow me to be a better coach and to prioritize the, yeah, maybe like the five or so years of being really fast that I have left. Um, I really want to prioritize that. All right. Um, I hope, yeah, like maybe some of that will inform our discussion later, but that's just kind of where I'm at after after the season. And yeah, let me get yeah, Kristen, Drew, you, you want to, who wants to take a stab at this? Ooh, hit me. Um, yeah, let's <laughs> so, do it. <laughs> yeah, I think everything that TJ said is is so spot on. Um, I think for like I kind of talked a little bit about the last few years on my end a couple of calls ago and I think a lot of that stress has it compounds. <laughs> um, and so this last year, I've spent about 80% of it being injured with a low back injury and now like a double whammy Achilles issue that, you know, and I think everything is related, which is just fascinating and mind boggling at the same time. Um, but I think for me, what went really well this year um, was taking a step back um, from training and doing what I could and being okay with that. I remember a lot of long runs. Um, I would have to, I would have to say to myself, this is where I'm at right now. And that's okay. Like it's, this is not permanent. I won't be at this fitness level forever. Um, you know, just to like keep me from comparing myself to the fitness I had the previous year or six months or before the back injury happened. Um, and then as I was training for OCC as part of the UTMB series, we, um, you know, we were out in Crested Butte and running uphill a lot and that was amazing. And so it was just being able to really be grateful for the opportunities that you get to move your body in these beautiful places. And one thing that really helps me that I did is I started a gratitude journal and I typically do this anyway, but I started a, like a running gratitude journal. So I have like my training log, but then I also have like a paper training log because I'm a psychopath. And in that training log, I would write like the three things on my run that I was most grateful for, right? Where it was like this pain, this run was pain-free. I found, um, you know, a bullet that I got to take home and make dinner with. Um, just like weird things like that, that were just like really exciting for me. Um, and then one thing that I wish I would have done more of is just the nitty gritty physical therapy, you know, toe spacers, calf raises, um, eccentric heel drops. Like I should have been doing those after CCC as well, um, which kind of tied into my Achilles issue. So I'm doing that now, but that's also part of my process oriented goal for 2023 is just like keeping up with the little things because I, I mean, I tell my athletes this all the time too, or it's like, make sure that you're doing the physical therapy um, that's prescribed by your physical therapist. Make sure you're doing the mountain legs, make sure you're doing the lunge matrix. Like all of these little things actually help 
you know, help reduce the risk of injury. So just make sure I'm taking care of myself in those ways um, and prioritizing mental health over anything else. So those yeah. are yeah, so awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing. And again, I'll, I'll just give a, if anybody is just jumping into this conversation and hasn't had an opportunity to kind of hear um, our previous conversations about working through setbacks, um, I think it was part one of that conversation about three or four weeks ago where Kristen talked about some of her lower back issues and some like familial stuff that was affecting her training. I would encourage you guys to, to listen to that, to that podcast um, episode and community call. And just, there's some really amazing takeaways um, from that part of the conversation that I know for, for Kristen really informed a lot of her um Yeah. The perspectives that she kind of highlighted as high points uh, the gratitude, being comfortable with where she's at, not comparing to kind of past athletic versions of herself. All of those things are, yeah, just freaking awesome. I mean, I will take like a perspective shift like that over uh, like a real tangible physiological adaptation for one of my athletes any day, because those perspectives are like the bedrock of everything. Um, without those, it's very hard to continue to improve over time. Cause like, as we've talked about over like the last, I don't know, two, three, four calls, like we've all been doing this for many, many years. Um, and the majority of the time we, we probably have like uh, decades of experience more than the athletes that we coach. And so we've gone through so many challenges, so many setbacks, worked through and, and have seen different iterations of our athletic selves. Um, and even more so probably like the people that we actually are because so much of the running and the training really informs these, these greater shifts, um, for us as humans, as people. And that's kind of the whole point of this. Um, but I will take like those perspective shifts over anything else. I think when you have done that internal work and you you've come to those realizations you have a better platform for going after your goals you have so much more perspective um, and you're better able to cope with the inevitable challenges that you have um i mean no journey is linear right like as all of the the last few calls we've we've had really highlights um and the point that we bring all this stuff up is because we we want you guys to kind of weather those storms. Um, you know, I I like the analogy of, of like water. Do you do you want to be the rock or do you want to be water? That kind of just flows um, and moves through the challenges, takes things with acceptance, um, and doesn't necessarily say, okay, well, this isn't happening to me or ignores challenges, but is somebody who kind of embraces those challenges and uses them as I like to call them rise up moments where we get to discover who we really are and we get to build those perspectives um, that allow us to then become better people, better athletes later. And um, yeah, Kristen, I think it's just so cool to, to, to hear and to see all of these amazing shifts that you're having. I know uh, you're dealing with an Achilles thing and being healthy and doing the little things, which is an amazing process oriented goal, just doing those small things every day, putting in the PT work, learning maybe from the past where some of those things were ignored, um, all of that. Just It's just so key, right? And like such a great example for our athletes. We don't want to let 
those little things go by the wayside, but it's easy to, especially this time of year when we've been maybe more diligent and given up a lot of mental energy to focusing on the little things while we're doing our big training and working towards big goals. And it's okay to like take a little bit of a step back, but make sure you're still listening to your body. You're building out those habits and those routines. Yeah, yeah Drew. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was go just going to add one more yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, please. Um, one thing that I've learned lately that like really shocked me um, was that like our perception of happiness is based off of what we know and not what happiness actually is. This might get a little like, you know, meta or something, but I thought that that was really fascinating too, because a lot of times when we do have a setback or an injury, um, like our human brains instantly just like compare ourselves to our friends on Strava, to our previous, you know, athletic versions of ourselves. But like the definition of happiness isn't, you know, it's not supposed to be compared. It's supposed to be like living in the moment and appreciating what you have at that time period. And so that was really, that was like a pretty profound moment for me because thinking about happiness is like, oh, well, when I lived in Boulder, I was really fast and happy, you know, and, but it's like everything that you compare yourself to has already happened. So happiness isn't necessarily that it's that like, we usually fall back into routines and into habits and being vulnerable enough to hold whatever it is loosely and kind of like go into the unknown. Like, I think that that is, that has been like the key motivator for me because like, I know what I can do because I've done it. What I don't know what I can do is like even more exciting because I haven't quite reached that point yet. So I think keeping, keeping that in mind with all of this as well is really, um, has been motivating because like, I don't know if you don't, if you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to know. So, yeah, totally. And I, I, I just hear a lot of, uh, like infinite mindset, like thinking, um, when I hear stuff like that and it's just so key, right. Cause like, yeah, we're all athletes and like, maybe you can only be fast for a certain amount of time. And you know, the, the science there will tell us that, but like we can still be athletes our whole lives. And so there's always this, this question of, you know, what's coming next? What kind of challenges will I face? What kind of highs will I get to enjoy? What will I be celebrating? What will I be working through? Um, and just, yeah, like always trying to keep moving forward and going into that unknown, just maybe with some curiosity and vulnerability, like you mentioned there, Kristen, like, I, I really like that. And I think that that is something that, you know, we try to embrace and validate when we hear that in our athletes, you know, journeys and stories. Um, and it's, I wish, you know, if we had all the time in the world and we had the all of the attention of everybody in the community. And we wanted to, if we could do this and to write volumes, we could write volumes on all of, uh, you know, each rad we can update each goal accomplished by one of our athletes that we highlight every week. It's so much more than the four or five sentences that we write. And so much of that is about stepping into the unknown and there's nothing like a race um, or a goal that's just out of reach uh, something that you haven't accomplished before, something that you haven't gone through before to kind of teach you 
about having that courage to be vulnerable and to go into an uncertain future. And when we can apply that to life, it's even more profound because we all experience stuff like that. I know for so many people right now, this is just a hard time to be a person, you know, financially it's difficult. Um, You know, there's a lot going on politically that makes things really challenging. So, you know, trying to take some of those lessons and then apply them to life and really try to, it's hard, but try to embrace that uncertainty. I mean, it's something that, that I'm doing right now with my, with my health challenges. Um, you know, I don't, I, I started immunotherapy yesterday. And so hopefully in six to 12 months, I'll be able to run outside and not feel like crap anymore. Um, I don't know though. There's no guarantee that no one gave me a guarantee. No one said it will be six months. It'll be 12. You know, it's so you just go and do the best that you can and you hope to to learn something in the process. And it, and I think one of the biggest things, something that I've really learned from you, Kristen, um, is that, you know, even when it's hard, it's so important to externalize that, externalize the parts of it that you are grateful for, even externalize the things that are frustrating you or are tough. Uh, I, th- I think that that really helps. And we've, yeah, we've talked about that so much in the last few calls. So I would encourage you guys to, to just go back and to listen to those calls if you hadn't already. Um, yeah, Coach Drew, we'd love to hear about your 2022 and yeah, like what, what went right? What didn't go right? What are you trying to improve on? Yeah. What are your process oriented goals? <laughs> yeah, 2022 was a big uh, year for me personally and for my family. So I'm I'm fortunate in that I don't get injured often, knock on wood, right? So I don't have to, I mean, TJ and Kristen's thing are, are awesome, but I'm going to kind of take a little bit of a different tangent here. Um, let's start with a low point, though. Um, I wouldn't call it a point necessarily, but what made uh, 2022 difficult, especially the first half of the year, is just parenting. Um, and and I know that a lot of people on the call listening now or, or maybe listening later may not have kids, so it may not, I guess, um, resonate with you. But being a parent of little kids is so freaking hard. Like, it's just hard. Um, uh, not only is it challenging, I guess, just to be a parent, but it's also uh, difficult to, I guess, be the best like parent you can be to be the best like partner you can be, uh, but also to all like want to continue with your running and your personal endeavors. Um, And it's taken a lot for me to understand that, that a lot of those like personal endeavors, at least in this time in this season right now are gone. Like I just, I can't do those anymore because it takes time away from what's more important, my kids and my uh, wife. And so um, uh, looking at just the the beginning of 2022, um, being stressed, working a full-time job, my wife working a very demanding, very stressful full-time job, us having like a one-year-old and a three-year-old. If you've had kids, uh, multiple kids, you know that that's like the thick of it, right? Um, and that that something had to change. Um, and and what had to change was two things. One, I quit my job. Um, we took a, a big financial uh, hit to, to make the move over to coaching because ultimately that's what I'm really passionate about. And I'll touch more on that later when I talk about what went right because that was a good decision. Um, but in the moment, it was really scary and left us very uh, vulnerable. And, and it was a really kind of a low point to me where, where everything else around me was really like I was hypersensitive to it um, because of that vulnerability. 
Um, another thing that really impacted me because of just all the stress and that big change was just like trying to understand that my routine now is different than my routine has always been. And so uh, knowing that I can't run like I used to, like it used to be like literally every day I run at 7 a.m. or I run at 6 a.m. every day. And if I don't run at six, I just don't run because I'm a very like creature of habit type person where I'm set in my routine so deeply where if I'm like barely removed, it just changes. Um, and, and when you've got kids, you just, that's not possible. Right. And so, uh, having to like, go back to, well, I can't train, I can run, but I can't train. And there's a difference between running and training. Um, they're not close to being the same thing. And so that was kind of a low point for me, like kind of, maybe it doesn't make a ton of sense, but that's kind of where I was coming from. So when it comes to like what went right for 2022, um, making that big change to, to move to microcosm uh, full-time, I say full-time because that's my only job. I don't work like 60 hours a week like I was before, right? Um, but, but just coaching uh, has given me the opportunity to um, really spend more time with my family, to really spend um, a little bit more, well, maybe not more time, but have more flexibility with my running um, and, and ultimately doing what I love most and helping others. Um, I joke with Kristen every now and then, because I know that she knows the Enneagram things, but if you do too, like I'm an Enneagram too, like I am, I am here on this planet to help others because it makes me feel really like awesome. And, and so everything I've chosen um, really now the back half of 22 has really helped me as a person and has helped my family. Um, and we're doing really well now. Um, as it pertains to, I guess, this next season, like process-oriented goals and, and kind of what we're looking at, um, I'm really, really, really wanting to lean into the time that I have with my family. And um, that's really important to me. I, I didn't make these sacrifices so that I could like stop working and just be out in the trails or out on whatever running the whole time, right? I need to be with my family because they are important to me and I love them. Um, I continue to prioritize that time, I guess, um, knowing that it's going to take away from my personal endeavors. Um, I don't see myself going out and running like a 67 minute half marathon anymore. Uh, but but that's okay. It's okay. And understanding that that's okay is, is good. Um, and then during the pandemic years, I've really like pulled myself away from like the social aspect and got more serious with my running and I've gotten a lot faster. Um, but at the same time, I've, I've kind of let go of some like relationships that I've really enjoyed and the social aspect that running brings. That's really helpful um, from like a, a mental and emotional standpoint. Um, and I think my process oriented goal for 2023 is to be social again, be a social runner. Like it's not serious, like just relax, let go and run with your, uh, with your friends. It doesn't matter if they're running eight minute pace or nine minute pace or 10 minute pace or whatever it is. Like who cares? Like get out there, have fun, um, see people, be social. Um, and, and I'm really, really, really looking forward to, to that part of this next year. Awesome. Yeah, Drew, I just really like your perspective. Um, I don't know, you know, what it's like with your roster or Kristen's, but I coach a lot of athletes who have small kids. And I think they can relate a lot to some of the, the things that you've had to adjust to as a runner. Um, you know, obviously it's hard and there's no 
there's no one way to to work through those challenges. But I wonder if um, if you had advice for somebody who was in a similar situation to you, who was working with one of us uh, coaches and maybe not running the same way they were before, but wondering like how to like really engage in the coaching process. And is it even worth it to have a coach? Like what, what would your advice be for, for them? No, that's a really, really good question. Um, Cause at a time I also felt like, man, if I'm not doing this to like run races or if I'm not doing this to like run fast, then why am I doing this? Um, and, and really that's, that's kind of a negative unhealthy way of thinking that again, I was very guilty of. I think what is important is talking to your coach and communicating like, this is how I'm feeling like, like, and, and I guess looking for maybe a little bit of validation, which I know that the coaches at microcosm anyway are amazing at, at providing. Um, but, but staying, staying with it. Like you don't just run to race. Like none of us just run to race. And if you do, your priorities might need realigning. Um, we run because it makes us feel good. It's good for our mental health. It's good for our physical health. Um, and from like a parental aspect of things, I like to run, um, even if it's just like every now and then so that my daughter who's three and my son who's one can see me running. So they understand what it's like to uh, do hard things and to treat your body right. And to, to, we tell my daughter, Brady, it's time for daddy to go exercise his body to help his body be healthier and set a really good example for, for your children. And so, um, like getting away from coaching, just, I think it, it helps run the risk of you like falling out of it, right? Like we need the accountability and we need the programming. Like you don't want to get hurt. I swear getting hurt while you've got kids, not only makes you less helpful to your partner, uh, but, but also detracts from your ability to run and, and maybe have that one hour, a few days a week of you time, right? Everyone knows, like, I can't, let's be real for a second. I can't take a poop in the morning without my daughter sitting in there and being like, good job, daddy. Like, it's just like, you know, you just, it, you got to stay with it. You got to stick with it. Cause in the end, it's ultimately, it's really, really good for you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I think, gosh, it's so important to recognize. And it's something that I've just, I've heard in, in the things that I mentioned and things that Kristen mentioned and the things that you mentioned, Drew, is we all have different iterations of our athletic lives like sometimes we're getting our sick sometimes we are dealing with injury sometimes we're adjusting to life as a parent and figuring out what it's like to like no longer run on that like morning routine like you mentioned that was kind of like your bedrock to your training drew or like we're not running as socially as we used to and like i'm recognizing now through time and space i've begun to recognize that like I used to really love those social runs. And like, so that's my big goal for next year. It's like, we have these opportunities and I think it's so important for athletes to recognize like that is really normal to have different iterations of your athletic life. That's not a reason to, uh, to stop running, to stop engaging with things that you enjoy, things that you know, you know, make you feel good that are beneficial to your physical and mental well-being. These are just opportunities to maybe hold things a little bit looser, to make adjustments and to not put those adjustments on a specific timeline, but to realize like those changes have to happen in their own time. They work on their time, not your time, not the time that you think that they're supposed to work on. And when you have a coach, 
in those moments, you have the opportunity to discuss these things, to get feedback on how you're feeling, to have someone mirror back to you the things that you're saying. And so that really helps to maybe check your thought process on um, all of these things that are super important. And I think just to facilitate the conversation and to move us forward in the direction that we want to go here is to, you know, maybe use this as a, as a lens through which we can talk about off season um, because I know the hardest thing, and I feel this every November, I feel like it's the hardest month of the year for me to train. Uh, it gets dark early. It's, you know, windier, it's colder, there's snow. I've kind of exhausted a lot of my, my mental resources through bigger races earlier in the season and being very diligent with my training and holding a lot of things in at the same moment. And that takes a lot of mental energy and focus. And so like this time of year, and I know this is true because I've been coaching for almost five years full time. And I've seen this in hundreds and hundreds of athletes that I've gotten to work with, like this is a hard time of year almost for everybody. Um, and so, you know, that's why we talk about this, like in parentheses, like off season, you know, like it's kind of that time of year we are holding things looser. We've hopefully gone for some of our big goals and we're thinking about like, really like, how do we keep this fun and joyful? How do we perpetuate the process? Um, and so one of the big things that I like to have my athletes thinking about is like, hey, it's okay if your motivation is not there. It's okay if things are shifting, if priorities are shifting, if, you know, you have given a lot of your time and you sacrificed family time and now you want to lean into more family time or partner time or you want to, you know, hop on the, the bike and bike a little bit more. And I think that that's, that's great. And it's okay to respond to those things and make those micro adjustments. And that's why you have a coach. We can help you do that while also keeping, while also staying mindful of the fact that compounding consistency is really important. We don't want to just stop running. Um, you know, I think an off season for most people, if we're going to take time off is really the least amount of time off that you can take off probably about a week. Um, I don't like to have athletes take more than a week off because we can do a lot less while still maintaining adaptation rather when we're not training at all, we're, we're not maintaining adaptation. We're actually losing out on maintaining the neuro pathways that we've worked really hard to build that make us efficient runners. So, you know, we really want to put those things in perspective when we're making our decisions about off season um, I like to have athletes think about some of the things maybe that Kristen mentioned earlier, like, okay, maybe I haven't been doing my PT as much. All right. Well, haven't been doing my PT as much. So I'm running a little bit less now because it, it just feels better mentally. And that's kind of the phase of training, the cycle of training that most people are in, in the fall. And so I can use some of that free time to go see my PT finally, to work on some of those nagging injuries, those little niggles, you know, the planter issues, the Achilles stuff. Maybe I've got some IT stuff left over from the season. I want to work on those things. So I'm going to do a little extra strength work in my spare time. You see, I'm still staying engaged in that athletic identity, those parts of the athletic journey that are important, but maybe I'm not running as much. Maybe things look a little different but they're still kind of part of the same thing, which is really important, right? And I, we mentioned this 
uh, on the pass call. You know, if we're going through injury, if we can't run, a great thing to still do to maintain some of that like feel that you're engaging with the process is to like continue with your habits, but just like switch the action. So it's like, okay, I'm still going to go to the gym. I'm going to do my stretching and mobility, but instead of like get on the treadmill, I'm going to go in the sauna, you know? And like, so you switch the action, but you still kind of stay engaged in the routine. I think that's super, super important. Um, I, the consistency thing, Drew, you had some really great notes there on that. I'm wondering if you could, if you wanted to kind of explain your thinking and why like that consistency, even through kind of like an off season, a loose off season is important. I completely understand the benefits of maybe taking a little bit of a, a time off from running. If you're, you know, nearing burnout, it's been a crazy race season. There's just a lot going on this time of year, right? Like TJ pretty much started the call saying um, that said, like, I, I feel like a lot of athletes work so hard to create a really consistent routine uh, of training only to get through you know, to the start of the winter where they're like, well, I don't really like running outside in the cold or in the dark or whatever the reason is. And then they kind of let go all the hard work and consistency that they've had to build over time. Um, creating your consistent patterns, we all know that's not easy. It's not easy whatsoever. Like it, it takes time. And that's kind of the hard part, right, is the time involved. And so I usually like to encourage my athletes to keep your consistency into, I guess, the winter season. Uh, a lot of times that people use like the cold or the dark is the reason why they want to like take a step back for a second. Um, but if really those are the, your only reasons, like I don't like running in the dark or I don't like running in the cold, um, I, I just don't feel like those are adequate reasons to really let go of all the consistency that you've built. Um, I, I have in the notes, and I don't know that it pertains to this conversation necessarily, but we talk a lot, I mean, a lot about acclimating to the heat and whatnot in the spring. Like we talk about getting out there. We talk about running at different times of the day, what's your body. I mean, we spend a lot of time discussing blood volume, like all this kind of stuff. And, and I know that that becomes less of an issue in the winter time, right? Cause we're not heat training at that time, but I really do think that there's something about acclimating to the heat and acclimating maybe to like less daylight or whatever it is, even if it's a mental kind of thing that we're acclimating to, um, but it's still very important. And so just encouraging, you know, don't, don't just stop, stop. You want to take a step back. That's fine. You're used to running 60 minutes a day. That's fine. Maybe we keep it down to like 30 or 40 minutes a day, right? We took that step back. We decreased our volume, but you keep your consistency. You acclimate to whatever external factor bothers you, right? You get used to it, so to speak. And then you just, you keep going so that when you do start your training in the spring, you've got a step above where you were this time last year. I think that's such an important point because if we let go completely of the work we've done, it, it becomes exponentially harder to re-engage with that habit. And this is something that you really said well, Drew. And so when we're dealing with some of these new environmental factors, like it's cold, it's windier, it's darker, um, you know, just taking a step back and saying, you know, how long can I go out and feel comfortable? Rather than saying, I'm not gonna run, embrace that challenge, lean into that challenge and just do what feels comfortable. And this is something that I've become a really big advocate of um, and we've talked a lot about 
It's like, if you got a mileage range on your plan, feel free to lean into that low end of the mileage range. Like that's still really great training. And if you need to do a few miles less or you're down to 10 or 20 minutes instead, like that is still good training. That is still a small brick that you can stack in your foundation. You know, like you have to give yourself a little grace because if you push yourself to do all eight and it becomes a mental challenge to get like that eight miles done when you could have done six and six felt good and you felt great at six, you know, you're creating a a challenging association with the work that you're doing. Okay. I'm finishing, but it's a mental battle to finish. Well, if I'm finishing and I'm doing six instead, and that feels really good, there's a strong positive association there, which makes it a lot more likely that you're going to get out. And so even if that's 10 minutes, you know, even if it's five minutes, like I five minutes with my headlamp is all that felt good. One minute longer would have been just existential dread. Fine. Take your five minutes and, you know, maybe try six the next time. I'm totally cool with that. You are going to get a positive response from me. 99 out of a hundred times, like you're going to get a good response. It may be your individual circumstances. You have a race coming up. You know, I need to push you more. That might be different, but for 99% of the athletes right now, you know, it's winter, it's about to be winter at least. And, you know, it's important to hold things loosely. Um, I like, you know, really thinking about like this kind of I don't know, six to eight weeks between like now and the end of January as like a base building period for a lot of athletes too. You know, like we're not doing like a lot of heavy speed work. We're doing a lot of easy running. We're like lowering the barrier to entry, but we're still maintaining adaptation. We're still building, you know, aerobic adaptation, provoking aerobic adaptation and things are going to just feel easier. I know a lot in my own journey, I've noticed a lot of times like this time of year, just like stopping an easy run to go do my hills can sometimes feel challenging because it'll take me a little while to get into like a good running rhythm. I'm adjusting to the cold. I'm adjusting to the light. I respond a lot to like whether it's a blue sky or a gray sky. And so like adjusting to that and I don't like to stop to do the hills. So like my coach will just work in strides and like if i feel any niggles i won't do the strides because strides are much more risky they're not on a hill there's more impact forces so like making small micro adjustments can be very very helpful um yeah kristen what what was your comment there in the log i would i would love to just talk about that for a second yeah um i think that you know as we're talking about like daylight savings time and like it's getting colder it's harder to motivate to get out the door a lot of times when i see this happening with athletes i like to um i'm a big fan of alarms and timers like snack alarms like all about them but i'm also a fan of like run alarms so if it's hard to motivate to get out the door you know and you've got I don't know like I like switching over to time-based running in the winter because I think that's easier to motivate for it's a little less daunting than a six mile run you know saying like all right let's get out for 50 minutes setting an alarm for half of that time 25 minutes and when your alarm goes off you just turn around and go home and it can be faster than you know, the 25 minutes out, or it can be slower than the 25 minutes out. The, the point is just like getting out because when you have like 
the time goal in your mind, it's a lot easier to wrap your head around than a mileage goal. It just, it feels less big. Um, and I've noticed that with some of my athletes that works really well and they're like, oh my God, that felt so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, so if that, if that works for you too, or if you think you want to try that, like talk to your coach. Um, I've personally had like really good experiences with it as well. So that's just one way for me because one way for me to motivate, especially when it gets cold, because to Drew's point about acclimating to cold, I, I'm not a cold, I'm, I'm a very fair weather runner. I like being comfortable. <laughs> Hence like why we're in the desert in the winter. Um, but I think that, you know, there's really something to just getting out the door. So we talk a lot about how mood, uh, mood follows action. And so sometimes just 10 minutes, like give yourself a chance, give yourself 10 minutes, just try it, see how it feels, um, is way better than, than just giving up completely. Yeah, gosh, I think it's so important. And those little perspective shifts that we can have by switching something from mileage to time can be really powerful. And it's, I think I, you know, more experienced athletes might actually find themselves doing that kind of subconsciously. And that's something that I've actually noticed in my own running. It's like, you know, what do I really, where do I really feel I'm going to get that aerobic stimulus? Okay. 60 to 70 minutes. Like, and if I feel great, then I'm going to go to 90 and that might be, you know, my 10 or my 12 miles, depending if I'm on road or trail. And it's like, you know, I'm not, this is something that I've had to be, to do a lot lately with my running. Cause it's been so up and down. Some days I feel really good and other days I feel really bad. And it's like not fighting those feelings and just being like, you know, I have this mileage on my plan, but that's just a guide, right? Like your coaches give you a guide and a roadmap. We make a, a decision that reflects where we believe that you are and one where we, you know, and we create the roadmap for where we want you to go. And, and so like, if one day doesn't feel a hundred percent and you're like, well, I have eight to 10 and I just can't do a 90 minute run today. Like that is so mentally hard. I have a million things going on. My head's in a million places. Okay. Well, you know, how would it feel to do 50 minutes? How would it feel to do an hour or 40 minutes? And, you know, just having maybe that internal supportive dialogue and not a negative dialogue about it, not one that puts you down, but one that just maybe makes that adjustment, you know? And I know it's easier for athletes who have been running a lot longer to kind of make an adjustment from mileage to time base. And that's something that like probably Drew or me or you, Kristen or Zoe or whoever, like we all have been running for so long. We're like, okay, 10 mile run on the roads, that's going to take me 75 minutes. Like, I just know how long it'll take. And other athletes aren't going to know that. And so that's when you just ask your coach, like, hey, like, you know, things are feeling really busy. Like, you know, I would love to, to do some base building this fall. And like, it would feel a lot better for me if we just, you know, use time as a proxy for volume instead. And it's like, there's no one or the other is better. It's just whatever is better for for the individual, right? And that's why, like, why we're coaching always to the individual. While our plans are individualized, why we don't give you a cookie cutter thing that you could download off of Google Images. It's like this is, you know, based on you and your biology and your individual experiences, your age, your background, all of this stuff. And so, like, if you feel like time works better for you, 
like let's let's get into time and that's and i i feel like that's super important and i like really like to sometimes oscillate that with my athletes like i'll have athletes who are like really pressured at work so we'll go to time for a while and then like I feel like when we're training for ultras and running on trail, mileage is a better proxy because I want you to spend more time out there. And so miles inevitably are going to force you to be out there longer, especially if we're doing, you know, hills and working invert. And it's just going to take longer to get to that mileage goal. And so at that moment, maybe, you know, mileage is the better proxy. Um, but, you know, there, you know, there's all these like these different situations. And so there's not always one right answer, but we can hold all this loosely. And your coaches do, too. When we approach your plan, we think about how you're feeling. We think about the feedback that you've given us. Um, it's really detail oriented. Um, it's a lot more than just popping into the log and saying, good work today. Um, there's so much more that goes into it. Um, I would. Yeah, well, we, we're kind of running out of time here. I'm not going to try to squeeze in our, our planning for 2023. It doesn't make sense. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit more about some structure to winter training. I think that it can help um, athletes maybe start to formulate their plan. And so if like we're looking at things in terms of like maybe we're building some base right now, we're doing a lot of easy miles, we're doing some maintenance work with some hill strides and fast strides. Um I like usually will have, cause good training works in a lot of cycles after the holidays, when people get done with family obligations and stuff, we often work on do winter speed work, uh, where we're working on kind of like that zone four, like 10 K effort we're pushing, uh, we're, we're stacking some speed breaks. Maybe volume is a little bit lower. We've got some extra space for winter sports, which is cool. Uh, but it's important to recognize like how your year is structured. Um, and so we start with a base building phase. So, you know, our musculoskeletal system is, is adapted. It's strong. It's ready for the impact forces of speed work. And then we can layer on that speed, maybe take a little volume off it to keep things balanced. And then from there, we continue to work on those different parts of our aerobic system, right? Like we might do, uh, like, I really love threshold building in late winter before spring. Um, we're working on, you know, kind of like that race pace, almost like a little bit faster than race pace. Um, and just really getting comfortable there and slowly kind of like, as we get closer to races, we go closer to the adaptations that are more specific to the events. Um, and so that's all, part in of your off season, right? Like that's all part of winter training and just starting. And I want you guys to just start thinking about that. Um, I want to talk more about it probably will be the first call in December. Um, and we'll also get to hear from Zoe, Sarah and Kylie on some of their takeaways and what went well, what didn't go well, what are they working on? Um, I'm, I mean, these guys are awesome. So I'm really looking forward to hearing their perspectives on it all um, as well. But thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And next week, we're going to have our annual gratitude call. I would encourage everybody to be there. Um, I know it's uh, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. It could be a tough time for, for people. Um, but we've done this call. I, this could be like our third or fourth iteration of it. Um, check out our newsletter, explained a little bit more about why that's important, why we do that. 
And if you do come to the call, just plan on um, one expression of gratitude, something that you're taking away from 2022 um, that you're grateful for. One to two minutes doesn't have to be something big. Uh, we do this every year. It's super fun. It's really exciting. Hope to see you all there. Have a great weekend, guys. Stay warm. Have fun. Thanks, coaches.